0: Is if or why or how that enables a customer to talk back to you with anything other than a yes or no response is good. So if you're marketing with free little webinars, and I'm not talking these half hour things take up all day. You know, do do a five minute clip. My God, you know, time is the most expensive commodity we have. <laughs> it's the most valuable thing you have is time. So, you know, why are you saying, you know, come sit for two hours and listen to me yammer on about how great my business is you know i can tell you that in three minutes and if you don't like
1: yo what is up this is christian d evans host of journey with christian d evans podcast and i just want to share with you real quick thank you Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It really means a lot to us, but also our community. And you know, if you like this, please share this with your friend, your family, a colleague, someone that you don't even like. Definitely share that with them. And then also leave a comment and a review for us. We really do appreciate that. And show our guests some love if you find that this episode really resonates with you. Secondly, I also want to share with you some really awesome news. I've had the Fortune Opportunity Network and have incredible guest, eight and nine figure entrepreneurs, CEOs and founders on our podcast. And what we've done is we've actually been able to open up a Be Uncommon, if you can, mastermind, where we're able to open up the door for so many of you, right? Those that are six figure, seven figure entrepreneurs that are scaling, that are struggling, that really want to level up their game, their business, their life, whatever it is, I'm able to open up that door for you with this be uncommon if you can mastermind. Now, we're only taking a select few of individuals. So what you'll need to do is go to christiandevans.com forward slash mastermind dash now. And the link is actually in the description as well. Guys, that is christiandevans.com forward slash mastermind dash now. We're only opening this up for a select few of individuals that really want to level up their game. you have a conversation with me. See if you qualify. And guys, enjoy the episode. And remember be uncommon if you can. Cheers. Thank you so much for tuning in to Journey with Christian D. Evans podcast. I'm your host, Christian D. Evans. And this next man that we have on actually worked with Steve Jobs Apple many, many years ago. He's also a strategic planner and has been in the industry longer than most of us have been alive. And I'm just joking with that, but the biggest thing is he has an incredible amount of experience in this industry. And then one of the reasons why I wanted to have him on is because he... Had a work remote team before it became famous, Became before it became cool. He's been able to impact hundreds upon hundreds upon thousands of his clients have been able to help produce incredible amount of results. He's been featured in so many different places, and we're very excited about having him on, talking about everything about entrepreneurship, marketing system, where it's going, what it's been like, and obviously certain patterns and certain principles that will always stay the same in the marketing industry. My friend, Mike Desher. How are you doing today, my man?
0: Hi, Christian. I'm doing great. How about yourself?
1: Oh, very excited about you know just dialing in this and having this conversation because you just have an immense uh, you know experience in this industry. And what I find so interesting is how the industry has changed, but obviously there are certain principles that will never change and stay consistent. Um, and I'd like to just kind of dive into this first. You know what? What are some of those principles that you see that have always been? consistent throughout the times of social media to you know old cold email and when you had like 50% open rate and click-through rate and all that stuff, like everything's changed, but I love to kind of get your response. What are certain principles
0: that have never changed uh, in the marketing industry that you've seen? Well, when I look at it, I don't think of uh, entrepreneurship. I don't think of all the new buzz terms. I don't think of social media. As a matter of fact, my company uh, media group actually has a tagline of, we begin where social media ends. So I look at business from going back to the beginning, thousands of years ago, where it revolved around sales and trading and barter communications between individuals. So I think we still have that. It's kind of swung like a pendulum, like most things. It's gone overboard where people have confused sales with marketing and both of those with business development, those kind of things in small businesses and large businesses. There's a lot of feeling and thought especially in the younger entrepreneurial community that I'll just build a website and people will come and I'll get rich and somebody will buy it from me and I'll be a millionaire at 30 and unfortunately it doesn't always work that way it has worked for a couple of people but the basics of uh, being a good honest business person having good products I think still is top foremost what's going on.
1: So let's talk a little bit about that because I do think you're right on that, but I'd love to get your perspective in regarding to marketing and sales, right? Uh, it is a little convoluted. It's very connected uh, in, in the fulfillment process, but I'd love to kind of get your perspective. Why, why do you think companies get it wrong and what are they getting wrong?
0: Well, companies confuse it. Marketing, if you were to go to school and get a degree in marketing, marketing is creating awareness. When I do presentations and things, I actually have a slide of a guy shaking trees. And that's really what a marketing person does is they shake the trees and see if something falls down. But once you've gotten awareness from a product, somebody has to say, so would you like to buy it? I mean, even down to simple things, I like to watch a lot of real estate shows, for instance, and you'll see these people walking people through houses and what a great thing. And they'll say, it's great, isn't it? And that's that. And they say, can we look at more houses? Sure. Instead of saying, so, should we make an offer? So sales ha- is the ability to close after there is interest. Marketing is what is supposed to generate interest. So you can't just put up a website and have something tell you how great it is, how great it is, and then ask, not ask for the sale at the end. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, what I find so interesting is... Because of this content marketing now, that's really, really prevalent in today's world. It's like, hey, adding value, adding value, adding value. And what I've noticed definitely with the people that I've consulted, it's like they add value and that's fine. But man, the customer journey is like forever. And sometimes people just want to go and say, hey, I'm looking for this product. I'm in pain and I need need someone to solve it. And there's a lot of conversion that you could really work on. So I'd love to talk a little bit about that. Um, Definitely with this industry of content marketing, it has a place right? Which is, it, it's productive, but the, the lifetime, the, the customer journey takes forever. So I'd love to talk a little bit about that. What do you see that they could maybe optimize a little bit and be maybe more direct and saying, hey, do you want to buy this house? Because you always have to ask them, right? Sometimes. Uh, yeah. and-
0: well, you know, if you think about it, if you're just doing content marketing and you are a Amazon, let's say, when you go to Amazon, you've already Gone through most of the thought process of what it is you want to buy it may even be down to you know i want to buy this pen you know that looks a particular way and that's what i want to pay i want to pay a dollar for it so you go on amazon you look there's no value in that the value comes in somebody explaining why that pen is different from another pen and when you see it and i'm just going to use amazon as an example because they're probably the biggest content marketer out there um, some companies that advertise on Amazon get it right to make sure you're the right customer for the product. And some don't. And when you were talking about adding value, it's those kinds of companies that add value. They, t- they tell you why their product is different, why their product is better. I just, for instance, I just bought a roll of tapes I'd unseen that I didn't need. And I bought it because I was looking for another kind of tape that I can't find in a store anywhere near me. So I have to buy it from Amazon. Otherwise, I would be buying it from a store. And it was a very unusual double-sided clear tape out of Japan that comes off and doesn't leave any marks. I thought, oh, I'll try that. So I tried a roll of it, and it's phenomenal. But they spent a good deal of time on Amazon explaining exactly how to use it, why you would use it, and a whole lot of time of please don't buy this if you're going to do this with it. It's the wrong product. Buy something else. And I, that was one of the reasons that actually intrigued me and made me want to buy because they were adding value to their product. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Cause what I found, you know, and something
1: that I, I was listening to with Jeff Bezos in regards to like, obviously having positive and negative reviews then allows the consumer to basically have that, that um, transparency, if you will, about that product and they get to have that choice in that. Um, it, and what was interesting to see the hear the feedback on it uh, oh we don't want negative reviews we won't put just positive ones because we want to just push product uh and that almost created more transparency um I, I like to kind of get your perspective on like what's happening right now in the industry because there are so many quote-unquote experts right everybody's an expert at this an expert in that and um you know we all have amazing phenomenal beautiful you know testimonials right and the thing is is let me ask you like would it almost be more beneficial to have negative testimonials and embrace the negative reviews as well uh, to
0: kind of help grow and build? Or what, what, what are your thoughts on that? I think you make a good point on that. Um, it is a good perspective, I think. I think people like to hear bad things more than they like to hear good things, because you can sort out the bad ones really quickly. You know, I hate this plumber because he never showed up at my house. I found him on the Internet, never showed up at my house people go, oh, well, I want somebody to show up. So immediately you start to discount them until you start reading through those reviews you're talking about. And you may find out it was just that one person that he didn't show up to, but he showed up to 100 more and everybody loved him. So the reviews are really good. Bezos has it right with that. It's great that he's transparent, and leaves those open and does that, unlike uh, like Yelp as, as an example, because if you subscribe to Yelp and you pay them thousands of dollars a month, uh, you can take off your bad reviews. So that doesn't allow a lot of transparency. Mm -hmm. so I I think most people today really want to have information, but I also think they're kind of in a hurry a little bit too much. So they will go and they'll look and they'll read the first review. And if it's great, they'll continue on. And if it's bad, they'll stop. Mm -hmm. So I think some work needs to be done and I'm not sure if it needs to be done on the platforms side for them requiring their advertisers, their sellers, whoever it may be to give more information, or if it's something that the entrepreneur themselves needs to learn and understand because online marketing is a completely different thing than what we used to call advertising. Before we had online, you had to find somebody somewhere. You found them in a phone book, you saw a billboard ad, you got it off a little local newspaper, something like that, Mm. so. The times are changing, but they're staying the same a little bit too.
1: Yeah. Well, because your, your whole company is, and I love what you said there is your tagline is you are where social media stops, right? So that that's where you continue the process. Uh, What do you think social media does not um, dial in for their marketing strategy and how you guys are able to kind of facilitate that gap?
0: I think up until recently, up until the pandemic, um, social media did an incredibly poor job of explaining why you would want to do business with a particular company. Uh, they basically used uh, their websites as a forum. And as an example, our company has been around 20 years. We never did any social optimization or anything for our website because we used it while we were talking live one on one with customers. So we could show them examples of things, help them work through an idea process. So now since the pandemic, people have started to have Zoom meetings and Skype meetings and everything else like this. They're doing webinars. They're doing more customer-centric activities like they used to do way back when. An example is um, I used to work for Apple Computer from 97 until about 2006. Apple didn't have the retail stores in the beginning, but they did in the end. So my group traveled from town to town and did seminars one-on-one and talked to people about why they needed to be invested in the Apple ecosystem and how we were going to change publishing and digital imaging in the future. Couldn't have done that with websites right before the pandemic. But since we've gotten all these tools to do webinars and things, it's coming back around to value-added selling. And I I think that's great. Well, what I find so interesting
1: about like you know, that specifically is like there's – that is a new product and a new industry. And so at the beginning, you had to do a lot of training because it was almost like you had to create the demand yourself, right? Nowadays, because there's such massive demand for iPhones and phones and s- itself, like we see the, the demand for it, now it's being able to just really l- – like, you know, and I'm just using it as an example, but now we're able to create another product that's very similar in that regard, but just a little bit better. And then of course, attract them to, we don't have to create the demand. So I would like to talk a little bit about that because it's like so many of us I see we love to train, we love to teach, we love to educate. But for some reason, so many of us, we don't like to sell or we're vice versa where we sell so much and I'd rather do you know training and stuff on the back end. And obviously there is like a, a teeter-totter experience a little bit. Um, I'd like to get your perspective of what you've seen in the industry and how you're able to kind of balance both of those to really create the best marketing strategy uh, for, for your business structure.
0: Well, the best ones that I've seen are starting to open up again now. Um, where people can actually talk face to face. So a good part of our business was doing trade shows and conferences, live live events where you'd actually be talking one person to another. Now we've got this hybrid sort of thing, very similar to what's going on with people doing remote working. You know, companies that, that are starting to embrace that. Um, you'll see people doing virtual trade shows, and they'll start talking about their product, but they don't a lot of times, and they get back to it again, they don't talk about the value. Why is it different? Why are you different? You know, A lot of times I'll hear people selling and it drives me a little bit crazy because they'll say, well, my value is I'm cheaper or I'm less money than them or I deliver faster. And I think, so why do I need you? I can go and I can shop myriads of online stores and find what I need and click on it and buy it at the best price. So you add zero value to me. So you talk about value, what is your value? I, I had a meeting uh, years ago at the University of Oregon with an instructor and I never forget her because she was such a unique individual, but she said, Mike, so uh, tell me what it is you do. I said, oh, well, you know, I, I work for Apple Computer and I came here to talk to you about publishing and, She says, no, 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 what do you do? And I was just taken back. I thought, okay, what do I do? All of a sudden I'm running through my mind. You know, what value do I have? You know, what does she want to hear? This, that, and the other. And she stopped me and she said, okay, stop thinking. I said, I want to know what you do on this planet that makes a difference to everybody else. That's the value you have. And it's yourself or your company or anything like that. So value is important. I don't know if that really answers your question. I think I strayed a little bit, but.
1: No, that, that does make sense. And and I really appreciate you saying that because just to kind of go down that, that path a little bit, you know, I've been asked that once before and we so many times we have our identity, you know, and I just talked a little bit about this a second ago, but uh, identity so stuck in like what we do for a living that we almost just assume, oh, they're talking about, you know, what I do for my career. And the reality is like, what, what do you do overall like you know and then you start really thinking oh well you know I'm, I'm i'm a father i'm a husband i'm a person i'm a you know a volunteer you know and you start realizing i am more than just my my career and so forth but it is it is a good point that you suggest there uh, but also coming back to kind of what we're what we're discussing here so working remote people are positioning more toward that um, i'm actually very intrigued in fact we're going to be doing a training this this thursday about virtual reality Because now that people have been pushed drastically into the online presence, like you said, we're starting to see more coaches, speakers, authors, all that stuff, be online. We can work wherever the heck we are going. I do. I've seen even just like the the migration of people living in the city moving further out, and the people that live in suburbs uh, moving even further out, right? In the rural areas. So there's like a lot of things going on, Uh, and of course we're not in real estate, but I I love to talk about kind of like what you see in regards to really helping leverage building a good synergy and community in the online space, as well as teamwork, and then also kind of facilitating more of like, hey, how do we integrate the VR world into this? Because that is gonna be a, a large player in the future here.
0: Yeah, a lot of, a lot of good questions. Um, it's kind of like when the pandemic happened and people couldn't go into work, the genie was let out of the bottle. And like I told you before, we started, I started working remotely in 97 and that was primarily a function of working for a major corporation, working for Apple. Apple didn't care where you worked, what you did, what your timesheet was punched in. There weren't any timesheets. They just wanted to know, are you doing your job? And I think most people, when they get a job, if they don't know what it is, they figure it out pretty quick or they don't have a job. So depending on what it is, you either can do it remotely, which a lot of jobs now you can because we're into this technology driven world. We're no longer in the industrial complex or an agrarian complex like we have been in the past. Human beings as a species are growing. So what we're really selling over the internet and everything else is thought, you know, people that's why we see so many people that are coaches and mentors and, you know evangelists and all all kinds of other things can you do these from home yeah can you do them from a beach in some little island in the middle of nowhere well yeah if it has internet but you can you can work pretty much anywhere you want to unless you're screwing tires onto a truck and that's being taken away by robots so you know i think we all need to think 10 years 20 years down the line because we're being driven this way and whether it's being driven by a pandemic or by people just saying, hey, you know, I want a better quality of life. I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to accomplish these 10 things this week. So if I can accomplish those in one day or or one week, it shouldn't really matter to my employer. And the problem that we have now is the transitional part of this equation from the employer side. I can't tell you how many people over the last six months that I have talked to within companies that are middle level managers. And what it has come down to in the discussions is they don't want their employees to be remote because they think they're going to be out of a job. They suddenly lose the ability to micromanage, which for most of their life, that's what they've done. They'll come over and tap on your desk. They'll drop some papers on your desk. They'll call you into a meeting and waste half the day. They'll do all these kinds of things. So all of a sudden the employees are going, okay, I've got to sell four things. I've got to have uh, two online meetings. I've got to make a dozen phone calls, check them off your list and do it. So it's a, it's a growth pattern. It's a learning pattern. Uh, employees have to learn to manage their time better than they did when they're going into an office because most offices don't care if you're wandering off to the break room or you're talking to somebody in the next cubicle or something like that. A lot of companies now are even kind of hiding behind it and embracing it. And saying, you know, oh, well, we need to have interpersonal reaction in the office. And when I hear that, I think, oh, so you're a company that likes to waste about 30 or 40% of your time. That's great. And you're going to raise your prices on me, too, probably. (laughs) Because you got to bring those people. And meanwhile, you got unhappy employees because they're traveling for, even if it's a half an hour commute, they're losing an extra hour out of their day that they could be with their family or their friends or doing something, being with a charity. So there's a lot of learning on both sides. I'm sure you're learning it. I think the VR thing is great. I'd love to to see that show and listen to that because I've thought even doing VR is if you're walking through a trade show, if you couldn't go, but it was actually a live show. If you could put on a VR helmet and walk through the show, that would be really cool. Mm
1: Well, you bring us a really good good thought process because what I've discovered, because a lot of companies are kind of pivoting more toward the online space, uh, you had to. Um, one, like you said, there there are benefits behind it, but there's also certain things like you have to figure out, right? I do know like in the sales world, you always have to have this energy, this synergy, right? That's always constantly going, motivating, all that stuff. And I do know working remote being individualistic, it's, it's tough. Uh, and you try to it's it's never the same right i've seen people try to leverage slack and say hey we got to say oh congratulations it's not the same right uh oh, that no. energy of high in and just you know i'm hearing you you close and you know we're all moving and so forth um so it's it, it is tough because you still have to create that community and synergy and I also i've i've seen business meetings where everybody's on mute on zoom and they're like type a number two if you're excited you know it's just like okay you know and it, it, i i did like what they're trying to do, but it's very tough, right, to keep that culture and to keep that emphasis on it. Um, However, though, I do think it's it's very viable because what I've also noticed is people become more productive because it's like, hey, I don't have to spend here a full 40 hours a week if I can do my job, my projects, whatever I need in 15 hours, 30 hours, hey, then I have the rest of my time that I can do other projects and becoming more resourceful. Plus, you don't have to waste all your time, energy on commuting. So there's certain things that I've seen that have facilitated, I think, to me, better growth and a little bit more of what everybody's talking about, work-life balance and whatever that shenanigans is. Um, and I think it's just creating those boundaries. But I love to kind of get your your, your perspective or kind of your your consulting capabilities and like, okay, how do you keep the synergy when you have a team? How do you still keep that culture and, you know, really facilitate just, you know, engagement uh, with partnerships or whether that may be, you know, your team uh, to make sure that we're all growing as a company?
0: Yeah. I think it's all individualistic and it depends upon the industry. It depends upon the company and the personality of the employees all all the way across. Uh, If you're, gonna take one of the most recent examples that I really, really like is the CEO of Airbnb. Came out a couple of weeks ago, I'm not sure if you read it, but he said that they are going to go remote with all of their 300 offices worldwide. And people can choose, if you go to work there, you can work half in the office, half at home, all that. But the biggest thing that I got out of it was um, what you were talking about how do you bring your team together? His caveat of all of this was you need to be close enough to get to an airport because every so often we're going to fly everybody in and we're going to have a team meeting now i've been in a lot of corporate team meetings and a lot of times that means oh we're all going to stand around drink beer and get to know each other which is absolutely fine that's a perfectly good use of business time especially if you work remotely uh, i have clients i've done business with for 15 years that i have never met i have clients not that long that i have never even talked to that we just correspond via email because it's the best mechanism for them to communicate. They're busy, they can track on and off and off. So it's going to come down to training on both sides. It's going to come down to managers instead of thinking about what their employees are doing, thinking about how their employees are feeling. You know, I got four salesmen and they're all in different parts of the country and I want to motivate them. I think once a month, I'm going to invite them all up company headquarters, and we're going to go play golf or play something, play darts or do whatever that's just out of the office, fun, communicate, and get everything off your chest to your fellow workers and to your boss and being open, being able to listen. It's one of the biggest problems I think in corporate America today is having managers and CEOs and executives actually listening because you find in companies, just like in the military or in public office, as you rise higher and higher to the top it becomes lonelier and lonelier and you get less and less quality feedback people don't want to tell the boss no when in reality that's all the boss really wants to hear so
1: no you bring up good points on that and i'm just sitting here thinking because see i i find even like like you were saying just a second ago with like virtual reality and how to integrate that in more like a um, kind of a in-person kind of feeling and experience. And I'm always just intrigued because, see, it's like it's the same thing with the whole concept of the Z- Zoom and being online. A lot of people were pushed on that, not that they wanted to, but they had to. And so they had to really kind of pivot like, oh, crap, what are we doing? How are we doing? I know large corporations from J.P. Morgan, their whole customer service had to go online. Like they had to build a whole infrastructure literally overnight. So unnecessary and Um, I shouldn't say unnecessary expenses, right? They were not ready and prepared for it. So like I see the same thing, that transformation with the VR and I do understand personalization. um, And I think we'll even see a little bit more personalization even further in the customer journey than we're seeing now. Like, yes, on YouTube, I can target people that are in in real estate. Yes, cool. But we can get even more specific, I think down in the future once we really start understanding their, their patterns and stuff like that definitely with VR, um, so I'd love to kind of get your perspective, like, and, and in regards to like what you're seeing in the marketing industry, and how to really integrate that into the the marketing strategies that we have currently.
0: Cool, and that's a big question because what I see is uh, a shotgun approach to marketing happening right now. There used to be a lot of very tailored marketing campaigns, and people would do specific things in specific buckets and specific times, and now I see people marketing all over the place, sometimes for no reason whatsoever. Uh, I've got a guy I'm having a meeting with later this week that sent me an email out of the blue and said, I just want 11 minutes of your time and I'll buy a Chick-fil-A dinner. Or, and then he sent me another one and said, I'll buy Chick-fil-A for your whole office. And then he sent me another one and said, really, I just want 11 minutes if you could answer three questions and then I'll give you 10,000 sales leads. So that kind of broke the bank with me and I wrote him back and I said, and where are you getting these sales leads and are they from yesterday? Because otherwise they're no good. And that started a conversation and we're having a little better conversation because he was marketing improperly. He was marketing to someone that didn't need to be marketed to by somebody that thought they knew about their business, but didn't. And I'm sure you get, you get these all the time and I'm sure many of your listeners do too. You have somebody reach out and say, well, I know everything about what you're doing, and you know, I think I could really help you by generating 400% more leads for your business than you ever had before. You ever get one of those? All the time. Yeah. All the time. Get them all the time, so they have no meaning. So this, this has become the new thing of marketing. I, I had a webinar I wanted to attend that came into my inbox and said, this is a, a webinar about cold calling. And I'm a sales guy. I think at the basis of everything is sales. So I thought, God, that's great. I haven't heard of anybody doing a webinar on cold calling in a long time. So I get on this webinar. And the first thing I find out, it's being held by a major corporation. I won't say their name because they're probably not paying you. Um, And they wanted to put a uh, calendar invite in a cold email that you would send to somebody. So you would send me an email with a, uh, hey, Mike, would you like to be on my podcast? Click here and I'll put you in my calendar. That was his idea of a cold call instead of calling me up or something, he found my email, he should be able to find my phone number. I think if you Google my name, you can probably find four or five phone numbers for me. I like to stay visible. I don't believe in cutting people off. Not everyone's like that. So you know that's where, that's where the marketing is, is going now, is people are, are doing, I call it intrusive marketing, rather than studied marketing. Your cost per customer acquisition goes up dramatically when you're looking for a specific person, specific type. But if you spend the time to understand who you want to sell your product to, are they a good customer? And you market to them, they're a good prospect. You're gonna pay a little bit more because you're spending more time, but you're gonna get a much higher close rate. You're gonna get much more in sales. So it's a matter of what you want. Some people fish with a net and some people fish with a pole.
1: So let's talk a little bit more in, in, uh, in depth with that. Um, kind of share with our audience a little bit what that looks like in the approach and certain things that they could change to make sure that they're not doing the gunshot approach. Because I, I acknowledge the same thing. It's like, I see that all the time. We're spending money. We're not even really sure is it producing any results and are people getting pissed off, right? Like, it's like the market's just not hitting. Um, so okay. kind of, Explain that process a little bit further, and say, okay, hey, these are the things that they should be aware of that they need to change. So, if like you're doing this, this, and this, hey, you need to stop doing that and 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 switch over to more of uh, that focused, focused kind of sniper-like marketing.
0: Yeah, I, I think uh, first off, every marketing person in the United States at whatever level should go out with one of their salespeople at a given time, preferably the beginning when they come to a company, and watch what their salespeople do. And what they will learn is a very valuable thing that they can use in marketing that's used in sales is asking open-ended questions. So if I, was, if, if I was advertising something, looking for customers online, I would say, if I had a product that would get you from point A to point B in less than 30 seconds, and it's never been on the market before, would you be willing to talk with me? Or how can I better serve your needs? You know, anything that's that's maybe an open-ended type of question that uses if or why or how that enables a customer to talk back to you with anything other than a yes or no response is good. So if you're marketing with free little webinars, I'm not talking these half-hour things take up all day. You know, do do a five-minute clip. My God, you know, time is the most expensive commodity we have. <laughs> the most valuable thing you have is time so you know why are you saying you know come sit for two hours and listen to me yammer on about how great my business is you know i can tell you that in three minutes and if you don't like it get off go buy it from somebody else so yeah
1: i love that i like you're literally cracking me up because my gosh i mean the 90 minute thing like come on guys and then you're talking 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 just tell me the offer and let's move on right just like this I mean, I, I got so much time and a lot of times I don't even listen to them. It's just like, good night. You know, anyways, we, we could go on a whole spiel about that. But uh, I appreciate you mentioning that because it's so true. Just five minutes, six minutes, boom, here it is. Um, but I, I just find this so interesting in this conversation because see, you know, there are so many people that there's like so many holes in these companies. It's like they focus so much on cold acquisition. And the reality then is like, okay, you have like 50 clients have you tried any referral system? Have you tried, like, there's so many different, have you tried selling them, upselling them? Like, there's so many different, like, little holes that I see so many companies just not really, you know, optimizing. And so I'm curious with the companies you've consulted for, like, what other other, red flags or, like, small little holes in the bucket that they should be aware of? Like, oh, I was not aware that. We're losing almost a million dollars in potential revenue because we didn't have another product to upsell because they desired something else. And maybe we could do a partnership or, you know, like there's certain things that are just like easy, quick fixes that just have immense value. And I always like to call like high, uh, high leverage activities that the business owner should be thinking about. So, you know, what have you seen in, in your experience um, because we, as marketers, we love to talk about acquisition, acquisition, wonderful, but it's like really how to optimize what we have. And a lot of our listeners are business owners and they run you know, successful businesses. They want to scale that eight, nine figure business in order to do that. You have to optimize every strategy, every finger of your business. So I'd love to try to get your, uh, get your perspective on that.
0: Well, I, the be, the best thing I think any business owner can do is something that Hewlett and Packard did when they started their company up in Silicon Valley, when they started HP, they called it, they actually wrote a book called Management by Walking Around. And the best thing you can do as any business owner is be a customer, be your own customer. You know, especially if you have a lot of employees or you're, you know, part of a division or something like that, call in and pretend like you're a customer. Try to find somebody to sell you something. Try to, you know, understand how your customer is coming back at how your company is coming back at customers doing that. Uh, I can give you a really good example. We recently, I don't know if you noticed, cause it really just went public about a week or so ago. We changed our company name from media group consulting to media group promotions. And we did this because uh, being a mentor, at William and Mary, we follow a certain process for entrepreneurship. And the more I taught it, the more I started listening to it myself and said, you know, it's been 20 years, I haven't reached out and contacted a lot of customers. And we will require an MBA student to call 100 customers to find out if their idea is viable. Just call out to 100 people in different kinds of organizations and do that. So I did that. I called a couple of 100 customers that I had seen or not seen for a while over the last 20 years, and found out that they had a common thing. They loved doing business with us. They hated our website. And they hated that Our URL had to be mediagroup-consulting.com because it's so long and so weird to type. And what we really do is promotions of all kinds. And we handle those promotions for customers, all kinds of things. So we started looking for a new URL. We changed the website to make it more friendly to people under 30 and uh, kind of went with that. But if you're talking about finding holes that people don't look for when they're trying to make sales expand grow their business those kind of things a lot of people overlook the holes in a company so if people will try to sell something to the vice president of marketing or the ceo or the owner or something like that and they can't ever get an appointment but they've got a better chance of trying to call in to say human resources or call the shipping desk or somebody that never gets talked to. You know, the, the one that's never gets talked to in an organization. I hope somebody's listening to this. You want to call into a major corporation and talk to an executive human being, ask to talk to the CFO. Because the financial guys never get calls. They always sit there, they'd love to talk to people, they love to talk about the business and just to call them and not sell them, but just say, I've heard about your business and I think it's growing, but can you tell me? Is it, is it growing? Do you like it? So, you know, should I do business with you? Should people do business with you? It opens the first door of sales, which is called creating empathy. So you got to get to know people.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you bringing this up because I remember uh, I was listening to um, some business owner that he does a lot of like high net worth investing, um, you know, private investing management. And a lot of his colleagues would always fight for the CEO, C-Suite. But he said what he did was he actually went one step below and uh, like, you know, just head of growth, head of sales, you know, those individuals that were still making pretty good money but they weren't the C-suite. And what I found so interesting is his resourcefulness, his strategy effectively worked because guess what? They weren't getting hit on all the time, right? So his conversions were just tremendous and he was able to acquire a ton. But I just, I think it's a really good point. What you were saying there is just the strategy is slightly different. So many times we focus on one thing because that's all we're told, but cre- being creative and saying, hey, you know what? There's different ways of looking at a at a, at a, at a, at a you know, problem, if you will, and finding that solution, being resourceful in that. Um, yeah. And Mike, I, I appreciate the conversation. I think this is just awesome. I appreciate the insight that you brought uh, today with our audience here. Um, you know, how can our audience reach out to you and,
0: and be part of your community and be part of what you've got going on, Mike? They can reach out to me any way they want to. I'm very visible. They can look on LinkedIn for Mike Dasher and you'll find me. Uh, you can Google mediagrouppromotions.com. I me um, many, many ways. You can Google my name and you'll find five pages of different ways to get me. You can find and, me on Facebook if you want. And guys, uh, those those links will be in the description. And make sure you Google him
1: and make sure you find his cell phone number and call him cold call him, and see what happens now. <laughs> yeah,
0: I know. You, you know, I, I, I have a cartoon hanging on my wall right here. And it's of a little guy sitting in a uh, fort with a bunch of people. Th- Trying to shoot arrows over this fort, and he's sitting at a table in the front. And there's a guy standing at the door of the fort with a gatling gun. And the caption on the bottom says, "Salesman? I don't have time for a salesman. I'm fighting a war here." <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Why? Why wouldn't you have time to talk to salespeople? You know, there's. You should. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I love it.
1: <laughs> oh man, I just. Uh, I'll talk to that. anybody. That's how I found you. Yeah. <laughs> or how you yeah. Found me. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's one reason why I wanted to have you on because just the immense experience that you've had, uh, you've, you've outlasted a lot of marketing ups and downs. And obviously with, uh, with you know, working with Steve Jobs to you know, obviously come into more of the marketing industry to be able to help and Im- impact you know, thousands upon thousands of your clients. Uh, Mike, is there any last words of wisdom that you'd like to share with our audience before
0: we let you go? Yeah, don't be afraid to talk to strangers. It's good to talk to strangers. Go to a networking meeting once in a while and try not to sell anything. Just shake people's hands and say hello and smile and ask them about what they do. Have interest in others.
1: There we go. There we That's
0: go. Hey, guys, that is awesome. That is Mike Desher
1: and that is Journey with Christian D. Evans podcast. Until next time, guys, remember, be uncommon if you can. Yo, this is Christian D. Evans, Journey with Christian D. Evans podcast. We thank you so much for listening to this amazing episode. If you feel and you know that this was valuable to you, please show some love to our amazing guests by liking this, by commenting on this, by making sure that you do a nice five-star review, and just show some love to our guests. That would be really awesome. Also, make sure you share this with a friend, a family, a colleague, someone that you believe would... Bring value to their life right now. Uh, and guys, we just want to say thank you again for just being part of our community. If you want to have more resources, don't be afraid. Go to ChristianDevans.com. You can actually schedule a phone call with me or you can send me an email at christian. Dot Evans at be uncommon if you can dot com. That's Christian Evans at beuncommonifyoucan Always love to hear some feedback and let me know what is the number one or two things that you are struggling in your business and your life, and we'll make sure we have those conversations, guys. That is Journey with Christian Davin's podcast. And until next time, remember be uncommon if you can. Cheers.